Chapter 18, Hero. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, 6. Joseph was the kind of guy who just knew how to fix stuff. He was one of those people who could get things done. He was a carpenter, which in those days meant he was not only a builder and general contractor, but also a sort of all-around handyman. He was a problem solver. If no one could find a way to make something work, they just needed to call this guy. He could figure it out. My guess is that a carpenter in a small town wound up being the guy you call for any random odd job that simply needed to be done. We've all got friends like this. They look at stressful situations, whether it's mechanical problems, technological problems, plumbing problems, or basically any other kinds of problems, and they don't get stressed the same way. Instead of freaking out, these guys start to kind of come to life. They love the challenge and they get an excited look in their eye, going after the unsolved problem like it's some kind of game. Joseph was a guy like that. But when we first meet him in the Christmas story, we find him in a situation that is way over his head. No matter how good Joseph was at setting a plumb door frame or cutting perfect dovetail joints, he wasn't ready to coach a first-time teenage mom through labor and delivery. Joseph wasn't equipped for this. He wasn't experienced or good at giving birth. He needed help. He needed to call someone in. Joseph needed a hero. I wonder how Joseph felt when he actually watched Mary give birth. My guess is he was scared out of his mind. I doubt this middle school-aged kid had ever experienced anything like this before. And now he was front and center in a moment where life was hanging in the balance. Mary was going through more pain than she had ever even thought possible, and Joseph couldn't do anything about that. I mean, I'm sure he tried to make her comfortable, and I'm sure he prayed more on that night than he had ever done before. But what in the world does a 14-year-old boy know about delivering a baby? Had anyone given him tips about breathing techniques? Did someone tell him about the dilation of the cervix or when he could tell Mary it was okay to push? What did Joseph even know about girls anyway? He and Mary had never even had sex. And somehow he was supposed to coach her through this? Well, to make matters worse, no one in their families was willing to help them. No one would stand with them. Neither one of their mothers was there with them, in the stable, holding Mary's hand, giving her water, looking her in the eyes, and keeping her focused. There were no cousins or friends who volunteered to go with this couple as they did the scariest thing either of them had ever faced. I can only imagine the panic that filled Joseph's heart, going off like a gunshot in a quiet neighborhood, as Mary worked her way through each contraction. Wave after wave of unbelievable pain cascaded over this young girl, and she just kept going. There were tears and screams, and there was blood, and then, finally, incredibly, it was all over, and the baby was there. The very instant that child was born, I bet Joseph looked into Mary's eyes just to check whether she was okay, and when he realized she was... 
All of that fear washed away in about a half a second. All the tension had released. All of the noise gave way to calm. The couple cried. But these tears were about gratitude and joy. They had made it through. And their little boy was born. Now Joseph didn't have any baby clothes, so he grabbed whatever he could find, which happened to be some scraps of cloth, little more than rags. He poured water on one of the cloths and tenderly wiped away the blood that covered the baby. It was delicate work, but Joseph was a detail kind of guy. He cleaned off the baby who had captured his heart with shaking hands. He grabbed some more rags and gently wrapped them around the baby's tiny body to cover him and keep him warm. With tears in his eyes and his young heart filled to bursting point, Joseph was the first person to look at that face and say the blessed name, Jesus. The name that would stir and change hearts left Joseph's lips and went out into the night and suddenly everything was different and new. Jesus had come. The promised Messiah of God had come all the way down from heaven because we were all in way over our heads. No matter how good we think we are at this life, we don't really have what it takes to make it work on our own. We're not equipped for a life well lived. Every single one of us has made a mess of our own lives. We have all become a disaster polluting our hearts and fracturing our relationships, no matter how good we've tried to be. Worst of all, we have alienated ourselves from the God who made us to know Him. The way we live has separated us from Him. With our very lives, we have told God that we don't need Him, we don't want Him, and He's not really welcome in our hearts. Every last one of us has made an enemy of God, declaring a silent, slow, and devastating war against the one who loves us most. And if that wasn't enough, the war effort isn't going well. Our rebellion isn't working. We're miserable, lonely, broken, and afraid. We can't make ourselves happy, and we can't find our way back home to God. And that is why Jesus came. It's why he lived and died. He came to be our hero. Around 30 years after that first Christmas night, there was another man named Joseph who was tenderly caring for the body of Jesus. This Joseph was a wealthy and influential man in Jerusalem who had come to follow and love the Lord. Jesus had accomplished his mission. It was the mission he started at Christmas, the mission to rescue the whole world. He died upon a Roman cross, and Joseph of Arimathea asked the Roman governor for his body, that he might bury it. Permission was granted, so Joseph and a friend of his named Nicodemus took the broken, lifeless body of Jesus down from the cross. And like so many years before, this Joseph took cloths, poured water on them, and tenderly washed away the blood that covered Jesus' body. It was delicate work, but Joseph wasn't in a hurry. He cleaned off the man who had captured his heart 
with shaking hands. He and his friend dipped more cloths in a mixture of sticky, tacky perfume and spices and then gently wrapped them around Jesus' body to cover him. With tears in his eyes and his heart filled with pain, Joseph thought he would be the last person to look at that face and say the blessed name, Jesus. The name that changed the world fell into silence in the darkness of his tomb. But Joseph was wrong. He wasn't the last person to see that face. 700 years before Christmas, Isaiah said the Messiah would be called the Prince of Peace, and he was. The Apostle Paul said he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus died, but death couldn't hold him. The Prince of Peace rose from the grave for us. He ended our rebellion, bringing us back together with the God who loves us so dearly. He died our death. He paid our debt. He conquered the grave, and He has become our peace. When we needed a hero, the Son of God Himself came all the way down to answer our call. Jesus.